Hi, I'm Zhang Mei, and this is the China Travel Podcast by Wild China. Each episode, we visit a different destination in China with a special guest. And when we say a destination, it can be as big as a province, or sometimes as small as a village, or sometimes it may be a field of study, or simply a way of life. Welcome back. Today, our guest is Guangzhou-based Brom Van Oyen, founder of Cycle Canton, which, as described on their website, is not the tight pants racing type of cycling, but the seeing, exploring, and diving into the local elements of Guangzhou from the seat of a bicycle type of cycling. The Brom is by training a civil engineer. So in addition to running immersive cycling tours around Guangzhou, he also consults on urban transport, specializing in parking and non-motorized transport. So as you can probably guess, today we'll be talking about Guangzhou and exploring with Bram by voice. Welcome, Bram. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. Yes, it'll be really fun. And tell me, so I hear you are right now in Guangzhou. That's right. Talk about Guangzhou, because most people, Chinese or not, don't really think of Guangzhou as a tourist destination. I think international visitors go there for the Canton Fair. And for me, I have, I have two experiences in Guangzhou. The first one was there to get my, I think, to get my green card or something. And I stayed at the White Swan Hotel oh. and ran into loads of Americans there adopting babies. Yes. <laughs> that was the one sort of very Guangzhou iconic experience. And the other one was years later, I went back and ran the Guangzhou Marathon. It was along the river and it was really beautiful. And I loved the Guangzhou audience. They would all be like yelling, it was fantastic. And so me personally, I know it's a mistake not to visit Guangzhou, you know, the food, the people. But I want to understand you. What, what do you see in Guangzhou that makes Guangzhou Guangzhou and not Shanghai and Beijing? Like, what is the soul of the city? I think the soul of the city you find in the old parts of town. People are always outside together, eating, drinking, laughing, and enjoying life. I think that's mm. the core of Guangzhou. But yes, Guangzhou is very much overlooked on the tourist trail. I agree with that. Um, and, and reason I think is Guangzhou is not very good at promoting itself and telling the story of the city. It's all there. It's just one thing is the name. Guangzhou or something is what I thought when I first knew I would go to this city. And I, I had no idea. Like, what is this place? Mm -hmm. And then our canton, our canton. Okay, that I know. Like Cantonese food and language. And that was about all I knew before I came here. Guangzhou is, is the, the cradle of every major change in modern Chinese history. Mm -hmm. It was the only city interacting with the West during the uh, late Qing dynasty. Uh, for a hundred years until the Opium Wars, Guangzhou was the only city doing trade. So all Chinese involved in Western trade were here in Guangzhou. All foreigners from around the world that would go to China by ship would come here to Guangzhou. So this really was the biggest city with Beijing uh, at the time and the most innovative, creative place to be. Later, the Qing Dynasty fell here with Sun Yat-sen. 
Shanghai was important yeah. for the rise of communism, but Guangzhou just as much. Uh, Mao Zedong, Zhou Anlai, they all lived in Guangzhou. And then later in the 1980s, the economic reform and opening up, that was here in, in Shenzhen, in Guangzhou, in Zhuhai, this Pearl River Delta. So mm -hmm. over and over, Guangzhou has been the, yeah, the breeding ground of, of change and new thinking and open-mindedness. And I think that is still there. And the rich history of this place can still be seen. Guangzhou has not demolished as much of the old town. So the old city with its city wall and the, the myriad of alleyways, uh, old neighborhoods where you wouldn't find a car, uh, they are still there. Mm. That's where we do our tours. That's where the old grannies are sitting outside playing mahjong with the neighbors. That's where the kids are chasing the cats, where people are hanging their laundry on overhanging electricity cables. That's the, the heart and soul of, of Guangzhou. And that kind of living is, is still very much here. And it's really worth exploring. But Guangzhou is not very good at sharing its history. So that was one of the reasons for us to start tours, because I'm a resident, I'm a proud resident of this beautiful city. But when I look online, uh, or when I open the Lonely Planet, uh, what's to do in Guangzhou? It, it says, ah, it's nothing here. Not wow. interesting. It's got a great airport and train station to get you to other places that are worth visiting. Uh, and that's just not true. How did you find Guangzhou as home? Uh, completely by coincidence. In, in 2006, I was uh, studying back home in Holland. And I asked my professor to send me to a crazy place far away to do my, um, my bachelor thesis. I wanted an adventure. Uh -huh. And he, um, he looked around his network and found this thing in, in Guangzhou. I didn't know the name. Then I figured out, oh, that's Canton. Okay. I was interested. I was intrigued by the rise of China. At that point, they were still talking about, will China or India be the next superpower? And for me, I think it was quite clear that it was interesting to go to China and, and witness it. So I came here for, for four months and loved it. But I went back to Holland and I returned in 2010, right before Guangzhou hosted yeah, the Asian Games, which is like the Olympics for Asian countries and sports in 2010. So I came back for that and, uh, and continued my work as a consultant, an advisor uh, working on urban transport uh, with uh, an organization here that was at the time a joint venture between an American and a local Chinese firm. And we were working in Guangzhou and around China and in later years also around the Asia region on helping cities cope with their traffic and transport challenges in the cities, urban transport. So cities were rapidly motorizing. Everyone was buying a car. The city was building roads. But no matter how many roads they built, traffic would still be stuck. Air pollution got worse. There was a massive need for parking in the city where everyone was yeah, fighting for space. So we worked on sustainable urban transport. So we tried to help city governments with alternatives to private cars. So instead working on public transport, on walking, on cycling, on parking policies and parking projects to reduce the amount of parking and to manage the existing parking places better. We worked in Guangzhou on, on the Guangzhou Bus Rapid Transit, the BRT, which is a famous project that won many prizes, like international prizes. I worked on raising the parking fee in Guangzhou, which made me the uh, most unpopular person in the city. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the transportation project that won many prizes. What did you do? So there's a big corridor that connects the 
at that time, before 2010, the city center of Guangzhou to the eastern suburbs. And there's many people that take the road in every day. There were buses, many buses, but they were always stuck in traffic. Everyone was stuck in traffic, but including the buses. Mm. So the project was based on many good examples in Colombia, Bogota, the yeah. city famous for its really good, efficient, quick bus systems. Mm. So we brought in the experts from around the world, uh, also people who worked on those projects to design this project. And it became, and still is, that bus corridor transport more people than any metro line in China, except for Beijing line one and two, I think. So it's a metro-like system, but using buses on the street. So bus wow. priority lanes, stations in the middle of the road where you check in before with a smart card. Now you would use your mobile phone to check in through the uh, turnstiles. And that system is carrying over 800,000 people every day. So imagine one street, 25 kilometers long, carrying 800,000 passengers per day. You'd have people lined up all the time, except they're moving. Yes. Right? So, so there's a lot of planning and designing that goes into how to make that happen. Wow. <laughs> how to design the stations and separate the different mm -hmm. bus routes and corridors. And, and part of that was, was, so part of it was buses, but then also how to get people to and from the stations. So how to improve the roads accessing those places, how to make sure there is a bike sharing, how to make sure there are bike lanes so that people can safely get to the uh, bus corner. So does Guangzhou have a metro system? Yes, as... uh, many. Okay. Yeah. Many, okay. It has many, many different lines, but metro is very expensive and takes many years to develop metro lines. Even Hong Kong, Hong Kong's metro is fantastic, right? Mm. In Hong Kong, there are more people using buses than metro. Even though a city has an amazing, expansive network of metro, there's still more people on buses than metro. I was just back in China in November, December. So that was three months ago. And one of the biggest changes I noticed in, in Shanghai was some of my friends who probably, you know, did very well investing in private equity businesses, etc. And at the end of dinner, we were all saying goodbye and said, how are you getting home? And they said, oh. Downstairs, there's a subway. Or next day, someone would be like taking the bus to come and meet for coffee or something, which is very surprising because China is changing so fast. Probably, I would say, 10 years ago or five years ago, having a private vehicle, having a car was such a status symbol. And now, a friend put it nicely and said, the true measure of the wealth of a society is not how many people can now own cars, but how many people, rich people can now ride public transport. Are you seeing similar trends in Guangzhou? I heard another, <laughs> another saying, uh, which was Enrique Penelosa, the former mayor of Bogota. A rich city is a city where the poor drive cars, yeah. where the rich use public transport and the poor use cars. Yes. I mean, t today, anywhere in the world, the car, I think, still is a, a status symbol. Also in Holland, also in, in, in New York. But mm -hmm. people are usually making rational decisions. If taking your car means being stuck in traffic and searching for a parking place that's very hard to find, that will lose you so much time that you would rather spend doing something else. So people take decisions to instead 
use a metro because you you know you're not going to be stuck in traffic and you know what time you will arrive for your next meeting or people would ride a ride a bike or walk i think people will still own cars but would use it much less for commuting to drive to and from the office every day by car is often <laughs> not the smartest thing to do no uh, and and you and you see that in the, in the in the bigger cities you see that shift like you you mentioned yeah and it's also not seen as poor anymore to use public transport i, I would say yeah there is no stigma yeah. yeah and so was it because of all your experience probably witnessing traffic jams and cars etc that prompted you to launch cycle canton so one thing was the big bus rapid transit system uh, but i also worked a lot with the greenway office guangzhou was the first city in the run-up to the 2010 asian games to build greenways which are sort of linear parks throughout the city inside the city in the city centers but also outside the city for people to walk and cycle to also help provide an alternative way of going around rather than driving cars and the greenway office were very good at designing waterfalls and fountains and choosing all the beautiful stones and flowers but they were not very good road engineers which we were <laughs> so mm -hmm. we had a great great partnership in helping them build these greenways throughout the city and part of that work with them was going around the city everywhere and working with them on these projects so i saw a lot of the city just for my work and then on the weekend i would because I'm Dutch, I can't help it. The first thing I did when I got here was buy a bicycle. Buy a bike. <laughs> and on the weekend, I was riding, riding my bike around town and I would just select an area, look at, look at the satellite images and, and just go riding and get lost. Get lost and, and run into people and places and all these hidden temples and people sitting on the street, uh, happy to have a chat. Uh, some would speak English. So I would just be exploring on the weekends. Uh, and then combined with my experience through my work of places i just found guangzhou to be such an amazing place i went places most people don't go and i got to see places and, and people that really made me fall in love with guangzhou in a way mm. uh, this sounds very lame but i, I there's no, so I much can, in this I city yeah. yeah there's so much to see and, and and do in the city and then like i said earlier when you look online or even when you ask other friends living here, whether they are expats or even local Chinese, they have no idea what you're talking about. Where did you go? What's that place? No, I've never been there. I've never even heard of it. So I would, you know, bring friends cycling uh, on the weekends and bring them to these places. And they were amazed by how there's this other side of Guangzhou outside of the, the new town with its Western restaurants and Irish pub. There is so yeah. much more. Um, so I, I decided, you know, I have to make this public. I have to make this available to both people living here so they get to know their city better, including many Chinese, mm -hmm. um, but also to visitors that come by. I think it's always, it's always great when your family or friends are coming over and, you know, you're going to have to take them out and you look at your city with very different eyes and you are really much more open and aware to your surroundings. Very different to if you were just on your way to work or on your way to a bar and you don't really take in your environment. But when your friends are coming, you really enjoy the city much more. Now that feeling 
is the feeling you have when you're doing a tour, even when you're hosting a tour. Yeah, it's a great feeling to have. Mm. I'm sitting here in Berkeley and I see a lot of uh, cyclists, as you were we were talking about in the very beginning, you know, in tight pants and colorful jerseys. They take cycling as a sport, obviously, for the speed, endurance, and all of that. And safety is always a concern. You're riding right next to uh, cars quite often, right? What do you see on your Phoenix bikes right, in <laughs> Guangzhou that is drastically different? So on our tours, we use the Phoenix bicycles, Fenghuang uh, bicycles, which is a, a classic Shanghai brand. It was like the, the BMW 5 Series of the 80s. That's what every <laughs> man wanted to have. That's what every woman wanted to have. So we used those bikes, but we've adapted them a lot to make them safer and more comfortable. Um, but the good thing about those bikes is that you sit upright. So you can actually look around at the surroundings. If you are on a race bike, you're cramping over at the handlebar. You don't see much. Or a mountain bike even has the same issues. I think when you are exploring the city and when you're not doing it for sports or are in a rush to get to the office, if you just want to ride around the city, use a more upright bike like those Phoenix bicycles or many of the shared bicycles that mm -hmm. you find everywhere in, in China. They're a great way to explore the city. I biked around in Shanghai just with uh, those shared Mo bikes or DD bikes and all of that, Halo bikes. And you're so close to people, like the noodle stand is steaming not far from you. And then the old lady is drying her laundry next to her salty fish right there. The route you've designed, describe it. Yeah. Yeah, by now we have 25 different kind of products. Um, but I think the one that would stand out is the one that, that we also won awards for is the, the old to new Guangzhou. That's the best introduction to Guangzhou. So it starts in the old city and then we connect with the Pearl River and that brings us into the new city. So it's an overview of Guangzhou from old to new, from a city that on the one hand is over 2000 years old with a lot of history and then is also a city with a very modern face. Um, the Canton Tower once was the, the tallest building in the world. Uh, it has many skyscrapers. We show both. Almost the entire route is away from traffic. So we ride through little alleyways where you mm. have those scenes we, we talked about earlier. It's where people say hi when you pass by, especially mm -hmm. if you're on a Phoenix bicycle. They're like, ah, oh, that's what I had when I was young. Like, why did you get that? How much is it? <laughs> yeah, so we visit several sites along the way. There's a famous Kung Fu lady who does a little demonstration with us. The Wing Chun, the Bruce Lee Kung Fu that she teaches us there. Uh, we visit an, an ancestral home, which would be like a, like a sort of a temple, a family temple that we visit. We then pass a market, a wet market. Mm, they, say about, they say about Cantonese that they eat anything, right? Which is sort of true. Anything with wings except an airplane. And everything with four legs except my table. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's, it's an amazing display of reptiles as well that are very much related to traditional Chinese medicine. And then we, we go to People's Park. Mm -hmm. I think that will be a, a tip for anyone making its way to Guangzhou. 
go chill in People's Park. It's right spot on in the middle of the old city. Mm. Uh, when Guangzhou had a city wall, it was demolished about a, a hundred years ago, but the very center of the city wall is what is today People's Park. Um, that's where you have the city government, which is a beautiful building. And it's a, a very open park where people from all walks of life flock together, play cards, sing, dance, and my favorite, play this game of jianzi, this kind of mm. hacky sack with mm. this feather, sort of a badminton shuttle, but, but different. And that's, that's a great place to, to hang out. So we stop there, we, we go play games with the locals. Then we continue and ride through Beijing Lu. That's a, a famous shopping area. There's a big Buddhist temple there as well. Uh, and then we get to the Pearl River. So all of that is going through little alleyways. Mm, uh, fantastic. And when we get to the river, it's, it's different. We ride along the boulevard. There's a boulevard along the entire Pearl River through the city. Yeah, like the Guangzhou Marathon that you did. Exactly. It's going yeah. north bank, south bank, from yeah. all the way to the west, all the way to the east. Uh, that's just a yeah. continuous boulevard. Uh, so that's amazing. And that gets you into the new town. Yeah, so within 15 minutes, we go from these little alleyways and then nice views over the river. And then there's a place where you can buy your next Lamborghini or McLaren sports car. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that, it's that contrast between old and new, traditional, modern. Yeah. Now, some practical tips. Restaurants best places for Cantonese style food, dim sum or famous Cantonese dishes. I mean, you, you can't go wrong, really. Some of my favorite uh, Cantonese restaurants would be Guangzhou Zhoujia. Guangzhou Zhoujia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The uh, first store was in Xiangsha Zhou, mm -hmm. which is in the old Siguan area of, of Liwan district. By now they've opened many more throughout the city. Mm, what dishes? So they have dim sum in the mornings, right? Sha jiao, the shrimp dumplings, they're a must. Mm -hmm. A friend once said that you can judge the quality of a restaurant by the quality of their sha jiao. So if yeah. their sha jiao is good, you're in a good place. If they're not, just, just get out. <laughs> <laughs> I love the roast goose mm. um, with the, the orange sauce. Just as a lunch thing that I have often is it's just rice with scrambled eggs and shrimp. Mm -hmm. And it comes with uh, the green vegetables on the side. Yeah, I think that's a great lunch dish. You're making me very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a at Guangzhou Georgia, they do the stuffed uh, buns with some kind of walnut paste. Hmm. So good. The the Macanese egg tarts are nice. Ah, uh, this just yeah. so much. And then in the evenings, yeah, like the evenings, the the, the roast duck, the cha Ah, uh, cha shao. How can I forget? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ah, so good. I'm coming for a bike trip and afterwards we go eat at Guangzhou Zhuzhang. Yes. Um, now, places to stay. I've stayed, for the marathon, I stayed at the Four Seasons, which is very close to the river, mm. right? It has this amazing atrium and sort of the new modern face of Guangzhou. And I also know the Rosewood opened up an enormous mm. ration yeah. there. So those two I do know, yeah. but I want to know about the little ones. The Four Seasons and the Rosewood are great. They're in the two main towers that dominate the skyline of Guangzhou, beside the Canton Tower. So they're, they are nice places. Going more local, the, the White Swan is a, is a great place. There was the first five-star hotel yeah. in China, the whole of China. A White Swan is great because it's on Shamian Island, which mm -hmm. used to be the former 
concession. So there you find beautiful parks and old historic buildings of us foreigners conducting in trade here. It has a bit of a dark side to that in that sense as well, but uh, it is still a beautiful place to, to be. Other places uh, that are very local, uh, I would recommend two. One is the Garden Hotel, Huayuan Jodian, is located in Taojin, in Yueshu district. I say that because the local design of the place is the Four Seasons and, and the Rosewood are, that hotel could be anywhere in the world, really. Dubai. Could Anymore. be in Dubai, could be in Sao Paulo, it could be anywhere. But the Garden Hotel is really very local. Beautiful design. It has a little museum about its own history. And, you know, it, I think the, the logo was written by Deng Xiaoping. The calligraphy of the Huayuan Zhodian, when you answer, is written by Deng Xiaoping. It's, very, it's a very local place. And it's, it's located in a cool neighborhood with like funky little cafes and, and bars. But my real recommendation would be, and it's with the same group, is the LN5, Lingnan Wu. It's a smaller boutique hotel, but five star. It's won awards as well. It's part of this boutique hotels around the world, these groups. And the great thing there is, is also how they celebrate the local history and culture. So they have funny like stories and old pictures and references to Guangzhou. Uh, I think that makes it very nice. And it has a rooftop bar, which, <laughs> and it's, it's located spot on the river. And then you have a rooftop bar outside where you have views over the river. They have live music. They have great drinks, great cocktails. There's always good vibes at that place. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. So last time I had a conversation with the CEO of UCCA, the first private art institution in Beijing. I had a chat with him and he was in Shunde, mm. Foshan, obviously working with the He Mei Shu Guan. And most people do not realize there is such a blossoming modern art scene in China, right? Have you been to this art museum? I've seen every picture there is of that place, but I still haven't been able to make it over myself. It sounds really cool. Okay, so aside yeah. from that, any other tips to explore the greater Guangzhou or Guangdong region on bike with you? I mean, with or without me. It uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> we do tours in those areas, but regardless, <laughs> Guangzhou is surrounded by mountains and beaches. It's warm pretty much year round. So it's a great place to, to come and spend a week or two weeks, even for people up north that are bored of going to Hainan. It's like, where else can I go? Well, come to Guangdong. There is everything yeah. here. Besides the historic cultural city of Guangzhou with all its great food, there is uh, Shenzhen. It's like the future mm -hmm. of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Then there is Haiping that I really like, located southwest of Guangzhou. It's a place where overseas Chinese returned, especially in the 1920s and 30s, and built these yeah, mansions in the middle of rice paddies and water buffalo country, uh, but mansions that are a mix of Chinese and Western architecture. Um, and these watchtowers where they defended themselves against bandits. It's this surreal place with a lot of heritage. There are beaches here as well in the Shenzhen and Huizhou area. Beaches mm -hmm. that can rival those in Hainan. White sands, clean water. There are yachts that we rent, DJs we bring for great parties uh, there <laughs> in summer. That's one of the, you know, the trips we started developing over the last two years. So that's the here. And then there are the mountains. 
the sceneries that Yang Shuo and Guilin are famous for. We have them here in Guangdong as well, but then minus all the tourists. Mm. So we are not the tight pants, cycling Strava geek kind of people, but <laughs> we kind of got into it a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we, we, do, uh, we do three, four day serious cycling trips into those areas. Uh, so we do those as well great adventures um so yeah the karst mountains there's beautiful hiking so that you would find around Qingyuan, xiaoguan like the zhangjiajie kind of rock formations mm -hmm. they are they're beautiful there and unrivaled but similar kind of rock formations you find uh, in the xiaoguan area as well mm -hmm. so go there if you if you're into hiking and uh, there are minority villages around lianzhou mm -hmm. um, yeah so there's really something for everyone Historic cities, modern cities, beaches, mountains. When you go to the cost sort of formation area, do your bikes have gear or the one gear yes. bike? The one gear <laughs> bike. <laughs> so the good city, for city touring. Yes. In the city, we use the single gear black mm -hmm. Phoenix bicycles. For the countryside tours, we have more modern gravel mountain bikes mm -hmm. sort, of, uh, mm -hmm. sort of bicycles. But most people would bring their own, actually. Mm, yeah, of course. They bring their own fancy bikes. Yeah. yeah, of course. You just set off my imagination. My mind is traveling back. I was actually just in Huizhou on this trip as well and mm. loved how people open their pomelos, grapefruit, with mm. a rice spoon. You know, <laughs> and all of those like unique, very smart, a local traditional way of living, still mm. very much intact in Guangdong area. I love it. So. Any parting words for our listeners from you? Visit uh, Guangzhou and Guangdong. It's a beautiful yeah. place, a lot of variations. There's something for everyone. Come visit this place that is not known to be the biggest tourist destination. But if you know where you're going and you go with the right people, then you really are up for an epic adventure. All right. Thanks, Bram. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the China Travel Podcast, produced by Wild China Travel and hosted by me, Wild China founder Zhang Mei. For every episode, you can find a summary with timestamps and a list of resources on our website, wildchina.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at Wild China Travel or me personally at Wild China May. That is M E I. Thank you and see you next time.